Love it's that. like a Willy Wonka uh, golden ticket. Yeah. In the I just watched that episode. And, oh, yeah. Um, I binged uh, the Michael Scott paper company stuff with Classic. Idris Elba, which is ironic because I also watched The Suicide Squad. So I am a oh, guy. Oh, I forgot he's in that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a guy who's up for anything with Idris Elba in it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm all for uh, anything. He's great. He is he is one hell of an actor and uh he's a pretty good looking guy, you know. He he's he just has that look that's like He's really so cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when I first saw him in the office, that was arguably the first time I had seen him. I think for me too. Yeah. yeah I can't think and... of anything else before then. You know, I didn't really have, yeah, I didn't have much uh, reference for anything. I know he had done, I think, up to that point, a couple movies. And, like, I think he was blowing up, starting to really take heat his career when The Office was going on. And mm-hmm. he, had, he had already done, like, The Wire and a couple movies. And maybe he was also, like, about to do that one movie with Beyonce called Obsessed, where he's really, oh, I don't yeah, know if you've ever yeah. heard that. He's very sought after. It's one of those, like. I saw um, that, yeah. It's one of those just like really uncomfortable movies where you're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, he is in a horrible situation. Like, she is fucking him over, you know? Yeah. Um, but that, you know, he wasn't in any of the superhero universes yet. He wasn't like an action star or anything. He wasn't um, like a top dollar, like considered for James Bond or anything like that. He was just, you know, Charles Minor in the office yeah. and <laughs> very and it's minor really, character yeah but it also like i don't know he's he's really good at being the david wallace like restrained like l- looking annoyed all the time at um steve carell and rain wilson and uh john krasinski even yeah. <laughs> you know he, no one does that in the show but, but uh idris El- idris elba i think is the only guy in the show um who looks like he's just can't stand jim halpert yeah, which is yeah and he pulls it off like really well uh yeah because jim is so good at like sort of manipulating and dealing with michael because he's just yeah because so, michael just loves him so much and thinks he's his best friend yeah and yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah charles is the one that makes jim uncomfortable because he's not uh like dwight dwight has that um talking head where he's like oh jim isn't isn't you know oh yeah (laughs) the new boss doesn't think jim's incredible yeah (laughs) Yeah. something like that (laughs) oh (laughs) wow yeah and then once dwight starts talking about his uh b plan to like yeah yeah (laughs) infiltrate that's one of the big moments where idris elba's just staring at dwight and it's fucking hilarious (laughs) that that look he gives him is perfect yeah yeah where he's like what is what is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's um that stretch of episodes is one of those where i really get caught up into the show um Mm -hmm. like it's like season three, I am, you know, really addicted to it the whole way, like from mm-hmm. when it begins. And then season season five is not so much that until I get to like Michael Scott Paper Company. I get really, really into it there. Like once he quits yeah. his job, I'm like, I got to see this thing 
through the end. I got to see him leave and I got to see him, I got to see him steal the clients and I got to see him come back and, you know, get his offer and get him, Pam and Ryan back their jobs back. Uh, There's just something about it. You know, it's just, it's a really fascinating string of episodes. Yeah. and, And you really get to see like, I don't know, more of Pam and Ryan and like their relationship with Michael too, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. Well, they're in a very vulnerable place clearly mm-hmm. because otherwise there's like no way they'd be doing, doing it. And you can see, you can also just see on their face um, just how like, they're like, what the fuck every day, you know, like, what am I doing with my life right now? Yeah. Like it's come, it's like come to this, like, it's a really, I don't know, just, it's a, it gives me goosebumps when they like walk into their like closet office for the first time and Ryan and Pam are just like looking at it, you know, kind of um, looking a little just, you know, not totally optimistic. And, my, and my, Michael's just like, welcome to the Michael <laughs> Scott paper company. <laughs> he puts the sign up too and everything yeah yeah, yeah and it, yeah he's got the sign up he well he yeah he's got the logo yeah and it's one of those yeah it, it's it's one of those where you know it's like a bad idea the whole way and you mm-hmm. know and every time you rewatch it you know it's not gonna you know go well but you're also rooting for it the whole way and you like feel good about them just you know doing anything um it's just so not like a real thing that happens. It's just like it's just like a, this yeah. short dream in the middle of the grand scheme of the show. But it's like a favorite among you know fans. Yeah, yeah, right. And I I also love that they um they bring back Vikram for this too <laughs> for the real quick <laughs> moment, and she's like, yeah, we we got Vikram, <laughs> best salesman I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's uh, Vikram's like in the back seat, and he's like, "What kind of name is Nana anyway?" Mm-hmm. And then Pam's like, yeah. "Short for grandmother." And then he just goes, "Sweet Jesus!" <laughs> and then yeah. Vikram's just like done. Yeah, he... and he feels better. He feels more comfortable at the telemarketing company yeah. than. <laughs> he's like, he's I gotta to go give... back there. He's trying to give Michael like actual, like, yeah. really, really good advice. <laughs> he's <laughs> he close just... the door. Yeah. Oh. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, it's too yeah. funny. And that investors yeah. meeting is like, Pam is always shooting for the stars, and one day she might grab one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just when Pam shows up for like their first day of work at his condo too, and he's making French yeah. toast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and it, well, and that's uh, when like they those two characters finally aren't like, I don't know, they become, you know, more actual friends rather than like someone Pam's constantly trying to avoid. Uh, she starts mm-hmm. like trying to help him with all sorts of things, and like that day where she comes to his apartment, she, his condo, I mean, she kind of helps him from freaking out, and then later he kind of calms her down a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Either way, you know, in each situ- situation, they're totally fucked, but they kind of get each other through it where he, yeah. he's like, he's like, he's like, all right, we, we both quit. Nothing's going to change that. Remember, kiddo, <laughs> we, he's like, we can't go back because we quit. <laughs> it's like, so we can start this paper company or we can 
that's our only option because we quit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for how stupid he is and how stupid of a decision that was, like he he does actually show some like courage, which is why yeah, yeah, yeah. why you root well, for Well, they they really are succeed. like relying on him the whole way on just mm-hmm. his experience because the like Ryan and Pam like I relate a lot to Pam on this uh watch of the office because I think she's definitely like late 20s or you know at least at the very oldest maybe 30 you know cuz mm-hmm. at just you could tell the stage she's at in her life mm-hmm. and Ryan's just like a little younger than that probably like early to mid 20s yeah, yeah, you just. So those characters are much more just relatable now, and much more uh, comedic and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just actually the other night watched the episode where Pam has her like art show, and yeah, yeah, um, I, I watched that uh, too. Yeah, and then Michael shows up at the end, and they have it's that nice so, moment. Yeah, and yeah, it's so sad. It's such a sad yeah. episode. And he just um, puts up the yeah. It's like it's really like it's really like heartwarming in a way too. And he puts the painting up, and he's like. This is our building, and we sell paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so like yeah. simple. Yeah. And what does it? What does he come from again? In that he comes from. Uh... Oh, he was actually at uh, business school with Ryan. Speaking. Yes, yes. Oh, that's such a good episode. <laughs> or he's so, he feels <laughs> what so are you like gonna broken. Need for a business, you're gonna need a building. <laughs> yeah. You need building. you need supply. You need <laughs> like okay. so he's like so good at being he like comes off like a great speaker but then everything that comes out of his mouth is just such nonsense you know Mm -hmm. but he has like all these elements that make him actually what could be a good public speaker and then but then just everything that comes out like as he finishes Mm -hmm. each sentence it's all just like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) incoherent like nonsense and it's like the more he and it's like clearly that he's trying a lot, but that he doesn't have, I don't know, the intelligence or just the experience to like fit in the world like that he is speaking in front of. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even in entrepreneurism where he he's talking to Nana and he's like, I will not be beat. He's like, we will. He's like we will i don't know i forget it's something one of those sentences where like he will not be beat or something like that and then he phrases it in a different way he's like that is my mission statement and then his nana's like what (laughs) and that's where he blows it there i've been i've been enjoying season five but season five also um it's not as like i'm glued to it all the way through as season three and four like there's actually episodes where i'm like i can skip that this time around Mm -hmm. and there's also episodes where i'm like well this story is not quite as good as this story you know like the the b story is not as it doesn't it's like filler for the a story and but still there there are many moments i'm like oh we like i wanted to skip to michael scott paper company and Mm -hmm. and idris elba and I, I would realize I'm like, wait a second, I can't skip this one. This, I, that's like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of good stuff in that one, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like a good example is Swiss family paper. Um, oh, Prince family paper. Prince yeah. family paper. Yeah. Not Swiss. <laughs> um, like, cause I was like, oh yeah, they like destroy that family paper company. I want to <laughs> yeah. see that again. And, but then the, and it is really funny to watch because all mm-hmm. the guilt like comes up in Michael after 
after he gives over the information to David Wallace and and Dwight is kind of he's like Dwight what will happen to this family now and he, Dwight's like David will use that information to destroy, destroy. them yeah. <laughs> and, and he just feels like the ultimate guilt the rest of the episode um but the B story is like this whole kind of whether Hillary Swank is hot conversation and mm-hmm. it's just kind of a drag, even though there's some good bits in it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a drag for the most part and not yeah. needed. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you feel, but there are some episodes even in like the the like really good seasons where I feel like if Michael is away, um, I'm not as into yeah. it. Particularly yeah, oh, for sure. With with Office Olympics, which I think is a great Office episode. Olympics. Yep. But there are there are points of it where they're at the office and you know, Michael and Dwight aren't there and it's almost just not as engaging to me because it just seems like right. normal normal people wasting time right. at work, you know. A, a, an example where it's done well, I think Dwight and Michael go to partying with Ryan, which <laughs> is obviously really hilarious and then mm-hmm. the rest of the office they just kind of get left there you know they kind of get stuck there Mm -hmm. so that one is kind of good because it's the kind of just on discomfort of them being stuck at the office but yeah i know what you mean the rest of them really are not um i mean i think a lot of them they don't even have anything they barely they they have really just small stuff going on but the real weight of it is like say michael and dwight going to give the gift baskets like when they're mm-hmm. going to give the gift baskets i don't think they show what else is going on because in the at the office much because what do you yeah. want to see um yeah. really and that's what makes season four good in my opinion is that it really you just get deep into whatever is going on with michael and it just keeps going on and on until you don't know where the fuck you've been because, like the first episode where he hits Meredith. It's all around the guilt of hitting Meredith. And then he learns about the rabies and then it's the run for the rabies. And then he's getting sick on the run. And there's really, that's really all, all it's about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I think going back to what you said, you know, about like season five and at, and like onwards and skipping things is I feel like just with how big it got that it, there are times where it becomes like a caricature of itself where, you know. Yeah. Well, I think more ensemble was starting to take place into five. Mm-hmm. You see the a little glimmers of more ensemble mm-hmm. and which is where like where I kind of started to fall out of it more because obviously as Michael leaves, it's 100 percent ensemble, yeah. which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is not mm-hmm. the office anymore, you know? It's what I always, it's what I always thought about it. Yeah, yeah, it's really difficult to uh, to rewatch any of season eight or nine. I, I don't, I, 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 I haven't. Yeah, I think I've only seen it, seen all of it through once, maybe a few episodes here and there twice. But yeah, I, yeah, but I might just, have not seen all of them even. Oh wow! Yeah, see, I, I made sure just <laughs> to, like for completion. I real, really sake. fell out yeah. of it. Yeah. But it was it was really tough to to watch some some of those episodes later on. That was just really like just a completely different show, and yeah, like a shell of its former self. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the main reason I'm watching past season four is so I can see some of those episodes um, like in five, six, and seven where you know, oh, Steve does some like really crazy shit in this episode. I got to <laughs> see that one. Like I got to see him and, and him take a picture with the concierge. Well, yeah, when... <laughs> Concierge Marie. <laughs> Remember, like, where they hijack her night? They just, like, Andy brings them drinks. He's like, can I get a picture of you, too? <laughs> like, right away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually have a, like, a Toby type at work. Oh, really? Uh, like a Toby. I have a Toby guy. <laughs> um, it, you know, the guy who, um, he, who was, like, who like annoyed me about like uh his, like Jamaican his take beer. on Jamaican beer? Yeah, yeah. He's that's is that same guy, and like I real I noticed I was getting like really like annoyed, and I was being like really like rude to him at the end of his shift because he was like he was like talking to me, and he 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 kind of talks very like low and uh low and slow, kind of kind of like this. He sounds <laughs> a lot like this, and he talks constantly like this, and. He was going, th- I don't know if anyone old and boring, John, has ever talked to you about their television setup for a long time and how they don't have cable anymore. They now have, beca- and they don't need cable because they have Netflix yeah. and HBO and Hulu. And because of that, they only pay like $30 and they don't really need cable because it's all on streaming. And they tell you this whole thing that everyone knows is it's like obvious nowadays. You don't need to tell me that. And then they tell you in the longest, most tedious way at the end of a eight hour shift where you didn't want to do any of that anyways. And now you're just listening to this thing. Yeah, God, but yeah. I noticed as he was like telling me this, I, like he, how he went, went on, and he's like, "I don't really need cable anymore. My parents have it, but I <laughs> tell them they shouldn't. You don't need it nowadays." <laughs> like I was like legit, like when my when like Michael's like trying to you know talk to Toby, um, you know he's like where he's like Mr. Robin Williams or Mr. Mr. Uh, Steve Martin or Robin Williams. He says like you're about to be or Kurt Russell. He says Kurt Russell. Oh he yeah, says, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell, you're about to be served, and he's he's like trying to just uh, I don't know, like have a real conversation with him, and he just can't. That was kind of me as this guy was like trying to telling me all this shit. I was just like giving him every signal that I was just not having this, you know. Just one of those people that doesn't get the cue, you know, the social cue that you're not you're not into it. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I feel bad because I know he's just like, he's just kind of an introverted, like, IT guy, and he just, Mm -hmm. you know, struggles with that side of things. But, like, man, (laughs) it's just brutal. Have you watched the the show What We Do in the Shadows at all? I have not. I think you might like that. It's, uh, Carly and I really like it. It's pretty funny. It's same type of humor as, like, The Office and the movie What We Do in the Shadows. It's on Netflix. Hulu. 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 Okay. Yeah. But uh there's a character. So they're all all the main characters are actual vampires. And then there's one who's an energy vampire who he does have like supernatural powers, but his power is that he just at work, he just like drones on and on and on about like stuff like that. 
and yeah and he drains people's energy and that gives him like life like that keeps him alive and it's it, it that what you're saying is just sounds exactly that's, like him that's pretty hilarious that's great it's so funny that's yeah, he's funny, just, yeah. He would just go like, yeah, I just kind of cut the cord. I don't need yeah. cable anymore. And then the people at work are just like like completely <laughs> just drained of energy. Yeah. And, just, yeah. and that's um, kind of how Toby is, I think, to yeah. like Michael is just he is the epitome of like normal, normal just person. You know, there's so many Tobys and um, he's just a, like a really nice guy, too. He just want he's just doing mm-hmm. his best, but because he, um, I don't know, he doesn't provide the stimulus or dopamine or whatever you know for Michael's just I don't know need to entertain and be entertained and create that kind of vibe, especially as you said, um, as the cameras are rolling, um, yeah, like he, Toby for him is just the enemy, you know, of what he stands <laughs> for, um, but it's. <laughs> Doesn't he call him the Antichrist at one point? Probably. Something probably. like that, yeah. <laughs> or no, no, he's like, uh, like, what, or what? are we going to do anything about the asbestos in the office? It's the silent killer, you know? And then he goes, you are the silent killer. Go back to the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'd like to talk more about movies I've watched um lately and also i missed things the last time we podcasted um not only did i not say some things about some movies but i also didn't bring up some movies just because i wasn't really feeling it as much Mm -hmm. um so i'd like to just you know i view that episode in a way as like it needs to be like wrapped up as well as like added to so that's kind of what i i'd like to accomplish today yeah, this is like part two, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, like we really didn't talk. I don't have a, a ton to say about the terminal, but we really didn't talk about it at all because I was in such a, I don't know, kind of depressed mood that the terminal just sounded so stupid <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, and dude, where's my car? Also did. But that's all right, because I am feeling more normal today. So I feel like I can talk meaninglessly about both of those <laughs> meaningless films and not get too depressed about it, which all is right. what, what this is all about. Um, that is, yeah, that is what this is well, about. One thing I heard about the terminal, actually, um, was that, lo- you know, the budget, I think, is a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it all went towards building that airport set where everything takes place. Yeah, because they couldn't get, I mean, they couldn't get permission to film. It's probably uh, JFK. Yeah, I don't think that'd be. <laughs> and they do build something that kind of looks like the main uh, part of JFK. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's what he would want, like a more centralized feel. So you can't just shut down the main uh, terminal of JFK for your stupid movie movie. (laughs) So he built one and I actually think they did a, it's one of the best things of the movie is the set they built for this. um, It is good. Cause really it is all just them. It is them just, you know, it's like hijink hijinks if you could call it and dialogue scenes in 
these in these various locations for the most part mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> uh occasionally i'll see these letterbox reviews of things where they will say like they will quote ign and say like this makes you feel like you were in the war or whatever and like the terminal <laughs> makes you feel like you were in the terminal <laughs> it does yeah, that's, man that's how good the set was yeah yeah i well, and, and you could tell that his like where he sleeps you know and how the how like the lighting is so good that mm -hmm. it really is um a, that is definitely a set they built yeah mm-hmm yeah, yeah but it, it does... it's just such a moody nighttime terminal that he's like sleeping in, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do think it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it's an interesting setting for a for a movie too, is to only be set inside of an airport terminal. Uh, right. I do think that is interesting on the surface you know <laughs> well it's like it's he has an attempt at heavy commentary here that is cl like clearly it is falls short it does not work but there's also that imagine like there is the slight imagination of you know loving airports which is a very childlike thing that Spielberg kind of brings to life in this through the filmmaking which I think is cool but there's you know that's only done during like you know transitions where you're kind of moving to a different part of the airport and you see the way the camera is moving like all around and everything and you're like wow that shot's really cool look at this place and then, <laughs> and then like and then uh Tom Hanks opens his mouth and you're like oh fuck like <laughs> this is awful yeah i honestly the more i uh i think about the actual movie the less i like it <laughs> and i i like it the more it like gets on my nerves just to think about that it, it is kind of insufferable at times to listen to yeah to, and even stanley tucci is i just find like really annoying in this too yeah, I mean, I think yeah. he's like, I think he's like really good in it in a way, but I think his mm -hmm. character is like written like wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just, he's kind of a confusing villain in this. Yeah. And it, I mean, I feel like it, I mean, I was also, I was definitely half assing watching this, but he like flip flops back and forth between he does. wanting to just get him out he and does. Then also not wanting him to leave and yeah and then at the end he doesn't want him to get out for some reason and yeah not yeah yeah and his his introduction as a character where he gives that monologue on why uh tom hanks can't leave mm -hmm. is like is just one of the most savage moments in movies <laughs> i've ever seen like he pretty much just tells him yeah while you were um while you were on the plane, your country went to civil war or, you know, is in civil war. And um, he tells him this like such a dick. Like he, he kind yeah. of like he like smashes like a bag of chips to like talk about yeah. his country. Yeah. Um, it's and, gone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like, it's gone. <laughs> there is no country. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's like, you can't 
he's like you can't come in, into the united states because this so you my friend have no country right now <laughs> it's just like holy fuck this guy has no empathy or <laughs> like whatsoever yeah i mean that, like... i feel and i and i feel like it's kind of spielberg's going for that he's going for like a playful like villain like american villain you know but yeah like the motivation of his character is um is like really flawed and he is just very like irredeemable and just uh, and weird but just mm-hmm. like uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean i agree with the uh that he's for sure irredeemable i i couldn't i just couldn't get into it <laughs> and yeah uh, yeah like you know he tries to get him to help him out too with like translating the one guy who has yeah and then he starts to work for him so you feel like they're building a working relationship in a way kind of like tom hanks and leo and catch me if you can a little bit but then i don't even know like plot wise i lose track but then like he's against him later at the end and it seems as the more he kind of round like he rounds up all the workers of the airport together the more stanley tucci is against him yeah right yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. right um yeah i mean it's like i just dislike so much about this movie and then there's like these little things here and there i'm like well i'm like oh that's nice like at the end when he's walking out and everyone's cheering for him and stuff i'm like (laughs) oh this is kind of good you know but then there's so many dreadful other things the whole idea of this is in a way so offensive and just you i just can't you just can't believe that any of it's allowed to go down that Mm -hmm. the playfulness and the comedy that spielberg sees in this i am just it like it's really overshadowed by you're like wow i just can't like i i feel like even you know even in america like how could this be allowed to happen? Like it's just some guy. I mean, I think it might be based. There's a chance it's based off an article where it did happen. Yeah. It's based on a real guy who, right. Um, he was, I think he's from Iran and he, I, I was trying to read up about this before I watched and he, um, I think something was wrong with his visa and he either had to, you know fly back to iran and get a new visa and then come back um or that was pretty much his only option like he he couldn't Mm -hmm. they wouldn't allow him into the country (laughs) right right and they kept like they kept trying to help him and like years went by that he just lived in the airport terminal and and to a point it's like frustrating that it's like all these people were trying i was reading that like people were getting frustrated with him because they were trying to help him out lawyers were trying to help him just get into like the Iran embassy in New York so that they could help him out. And all these people were trying to help him and he just wouldn't accept it because he didn't want to leave. And Damn. so like, so the guy in like real life, like was, was kind of anno- annoying in that, in that sense that everyone was trying to help him, but he would, he just refused to leave. And it's like, I guess they can't, you know, they can't force him to right. leave. I guess, right. you know, legally. So I think ultimately he ended up, um, ultimately he ended up leaving and coming back to the U S or something, but I don't, yeah, I forget. But 
Yeah, some Victor Navorsky in some parts seemed like is he are they like making him out to be mentally challenged? Yeah, yeah, it's that... more. There's a lot more dumb, dumb to him than. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it's not just language yeah. barrier. It's like he doesn't know how to even like function just in public, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like he's never. It's like he just escaped from a mental And I think he's going for like a chaplain ish thing there. But in this yeah. being that it's like his identity is that he is a foreigner, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a little offensive based off that. Yeah. It just it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know, maybe in two thousand four people weren't thinking about that as much. I mean, clearly, but uh, yeah, I yeah. think I think today something like this would just get if they if it came yeah. out today, it would just. Well, get I can see like in two thousand four, white people being like really uplifted by this. Oh, yeah, that's so, such a great story about this guy from another country. Yeah, it's like, or does it make him look like a fucking idiot? <laughs> like, yeah, it's. <laughs> this is why we don't let <laughs> these ketchup mustard eating four immigrants into yeah. our country <laughs> yeah yeah maybe it's gonna be spun as propaganda <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah i don't know the more the more i talk about it and, and just think about it the less i the less i like like i gave it two and a half stars on letterboxd i feel like i should dock that i did too bit. yeah i i did for quality of filmmaking at times <laughs> yeah yeah because i was like this shot is really cool <laughs> like this one sh you know yeah and it well it's probably the worst spielberg mo movie easily um mm -hmm. but i you know there's also ready player one i haven't seen that yet mm, so we'll yeah. see man i might like ready player one more than the terminal and mm. i didn't really like ready player one yeah uh but I might just like it for that, uh, for just like throwing nostalgia in your face. I might take that over watching uh, this weird, somewhat offensive uh, movie that is also pretty long and boring at times. Yeah, it is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a slog. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. When I was a kid, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing Seven. it in the theater and yeah. thinking, hey, oh. yeah, okay. I didn't see it in the theater, but not a bad movie. Yeah, I watched it like with my family. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep with it, it while watching it, and I had no idea it was Tom Hanks either. <laughs> <laughs> Some foreign actor. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, who's this? I was like, that's the well. If I didn't know the actor as a kid, I would be like, oh, this is the real guy. This is all happening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a. A documentary almost yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know how you'd get so into it and you're like oh yeah yeah definitely yeah like yeah if you can believe it i'm a lot more detached from movies nowadays than i was as a kid <laughs> yeah it would be funny like as a kid seeing um seeing a movie with someone in it and then seeing that same person who that was the first time you'd seen him in anything and then seeing another movie where they're a completely different character yeah you're like this you're guy like, oh, this is weird like, like that's, that's not... the guy yeah he, he's in that other movie as a completely different person why is he 
why is he this now? Like that doesn't make sense. I remember thinking that with um, uh, Bill Paxton, I think. Oh yeah, because I'd like Which seen movies? Twister. I'd seen Twister, Twister, and I was like, oh, he's like a normal like normal guy and whatever. And then I think maybe I'd seen Alien or Predator. I bet it was Predator, and he's just like this crazy action guy. It's <laughs> like this isn't him. What? A- he's the guy from yeah. Twister. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Just I can't make those connections as a kid that. No, right. just I can't think of a good people. example, but that happened, you know, because it's so long ago, but that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so let's, let's get off the, the terminal. terminal. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I've had enough of the terminal, <laughs> but I'm glad we, I'm glad we knocked it out. Another movie I'd like, like to talk about is, um, the new uh, Soderbergh movie, No Sudden Moves, ah, which yes. I actually really liked. Uh, so let's we could talk about something we like now. Yeah, here um, we go. Yeah, I, I I dug this movie a lot when I saw it was gonna be Cheadle, Cheadle Benicio, and um, I mean, who's the other guy again? Brendan Fraser is in it too. Yeah. Um, John Hamm, David Harbour, Ray Liotta. John Hamm is a main character, and then Julia Fox is in this movie too. Just mm-hmm. for she has a couple scenes, um, which I and I I definitely root for his her career. Um, that's for sure. Ray Liotta is in this movie. Yeah. Um, and Matt Damon has uh, maybe in my oh. favorite scene in this movie. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Wow. Is yeah. he who does he play again? Like the CEO of like a car, like a giant car company, like GM yeah. or Ford or one of those things? It's like an un uh I'm pretty sure it's like an uncredited role too, which he seems to love doing. That uh, yeah, but lately. that's a great, great scene, great performance. Uh yeah, I can't I yeah, I can't even figure out what uh exactly what his character was yeah, yeah i mean uncredited yeah he just represents big business it's another mm-hmm. like like soderbergh has done in a lot of his past few movies like just critiqued capitalism a lot very on the nose in the movie the laundromat uh which i don't know if you've seen yet Not um yet, no. it's actually one of his uh one of his lesser films, in my opinion, I was kind of like thought it was a little boring and weird, but, you know, still had a lot of good things. And then High Flying Bird also has that. And um, yeah, he's doing that a lot lately. And so with that Matt Damon role, he literally just comes out and um, I forget what he says, but he just says a lot of like, I'm a piece of shit CEO, money hungry capitalist guy and like. Mm-hmm. I, you know that's just kind of what it is um yeah i i like this movie a lot like i like how it's just like a it's just like a play on genre and uh like new, new a little noirish a little heist ish um just felt very familiar for someone you know it's just like for people who've like no genre you know mm-hmm. so and and as usual the cinematography was really great and the actors kind of just did their thing yeah yeah it's definitely i mean i feel like you can't uh 
you're, you're guaranteed to get like a good experience out of this with just the people involved and then yeah that uh that opening too it it felt very much like a classic like neo-noir um yeah yeah uh movie so I, yeah set it up really nice and uh yeah i liked it a lot too and i'm all for um anytime you know steven soderbergh wants to do an anti-capitalist movie i'm i'm here for it for sure <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah i liked it a lot too i i think i um i had really high expectations for it and i think it was a little bit more toned down than i thought it would be um which is not a negative thing at all but uh yeah yeah i i liked it a lot i guess i don't have too much more to say about it than what uh what you said too but uh it's also good to see Brendan. yeah maybe Fraser. i took all talk took everything you could have said about yeah. it for i was all gonna I say know. exactly what you said but even better <laughs> but yeah it's not worth it <laughs> it's not worth repeating no um yeah i just saw it on hbo max and i saw the guys in it and i was like wait that's the soderbergh movie oh my <laughs> god <laughs> yeah just flipped out right there oh yeah and yeah so not a lot of hype for me really just the fact that i saw it existed yeah. i was like yes <laughs> um, oh yeah. yeah yeah i feel like there, there's not usually a ton of hype about soderbergh movies like and it seems like intentionally i don't know yeah it's like more so just like if you're into film and movies like you know that people are but um yeah, it's not, they don't, yeah, obviously Soderbergh movies aren't getting uh, the hype that, uh, uh, you know, the Suicide Squad James is Gunn. getting or, yeah. James, yeah, with James Gunn, which I will talk about later. Um, also, I watched Soderbergh's The Nick season one. Uh, oh, just I didn't to realize he did that. While we're talking about, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch The Nick for a while that's with Clyde and, Owen, right yep that's on hbo max so if you ever want to get to it it's it's very available um oh, cool yeah it's it's with yeah it's with clive owen and it basically follows a a surgery center called the nick in the late 1800s um and kind of deals a lot with like uh just things like race back then and uh, a lot of just very still relevant things today, like uh, um, just addiction and mental illness and all this stuff. And it is hmm. it is really damn good, I must say. It is um, towards the top uh, tier of the things that Steven Soderbergh has directed. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm I understood all the it took me a little bit to get to get into it but once it like like th once it got towards the middle i was very into it and then when it ended i realized i'm like holy shit this was brilliant uh yeah pretty pretty awesome nice yeah i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna look into that for sure i did not know that that was soderbergh yeah it was like a film professor of mine that told me about it like he told a class about our class about it like five years ago or something like, like I'm not over exaggerating. It might, might've been like four, four or five <laughs> years ago. And he was talking, he was my favorite professor because he would just say, 
the craziest things and he was so pretend he was so pretentious and he was funny and then one time he said has anyone watched the nick yet and i don't think anyone in the class had <laughs> and he was like he was just like oh it's so good and i was like i gotta see the nick and i never did i, I it took uh, me yeah. this long yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah he's one of those guys that you got to take his sounds like you got to take his recommendations exactly yeah that yeah good, that's how i thought i mean he was he's a little he was a little overly pretentious about a lot of things you know mm-hmm. but um he still was like really brilliant and smart and i was just like yes this guy <laughs> nice okay then nick yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my list uh Something that I I don't have a ton to say about, but I just want to bring it up. Um, Daybreak Express, which is oh the short by Pennebaker. Yep, I am proud of myself that I'm proud of myself that you just say the title and I know what that is. Yeah, (laughs) because I I feel like it would have to be something that I'd look up and be like, oh yeah, that you know, like not like top of my Mm -hmm. head. I know what Daybreak Express is, but yeah. You know, I really, I, just, I really like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and it's I just very watched, memorable. So, I just watched the documentary. I can't even remember the name of it now, but it was about graffiti art in New York in like the seventies. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that and it sounded God. really cool. I can't think of the name now, but um, there's just a lot of shots of trains in New York going by. Yeah, which is a yeah. lot of what Daybreak expresses too. Right. right. I was real. I was just starting to like romanticize trains and yeah. like public transportation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that's a lot of what da pennebaker was doing in making this and yeah, yeah. i was realizing how much i love trains in cities <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know when i when we lived in denver i used to take the train every day to work and i loved it and i would love getting to union station and in, in denver and seeing like they would occasionally have these old amtrak trains come come through and yeah this short just made me realize how much i just really think that's like interesting and just like it's sort of like a timeless thing in a way for like oh yeah modern modern times now it's like these trains have been around for for decades now and um, and the 40s 50s jazz of it just oh yeah the the music. setting the time yeah. period it's just yeah yeah, I just I don't know. I I really uh it's just something so simple. But I want I know to bring that's it up also what I like about yeah. it. It's just so simple. You could tell he just he just went around and just shot B-roll around the city. Yeah, it almost it made me want to do something similar. Like I was like, "Man, I just want to go to like a It city. is. It's something you could do. Like like yeah. when you were just talking about your love of trains and cities right now, <laughs> I was just thinking I'm like I should just go shoot a daybreak express on the L in, in Chicago, right? really, you know, like I know it wouldn't be, there's no way it would be the same, but I could like do my own version of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Modernize it, it a little bit, you know? And in like the, um, like the very middle of, I mean, we're still kind of in the middle of it, but COVID stuff last year, last summer, I remember I was really just, having cabin fever and i would just while i would work i would have another monitor with just like of just cities it would be like a city walk or like someone Ah. just like filming like b-roll of someone in paris or something 
and it was just like the natural like city sounds there'd be yeah a train yeah. going by and that was like a really like calming thing and so yeah it made me i was like i just want to like go to a city and just like record things happening and then just yeah. like keep keep that for myself in a way yeah, uh, it's yeah. Like I mean, my like favorite thing to do at new places is like just walking like oh, around. Yeah. I don't really. Yeah, that's all I really want to do. Like if I can do that mm-hmm. and then eat, you know, eat also, then that's yeah. all I need. It's the, yeah, the best way to experience it for me. Yeah, you know, last week we were talking about how we weren't really in good in good places mentally. And this weekend we we were in san francisco and the day we like checked out of our hotel we just um we left our bag at the front desk and we just sort of walked we like walked all through chinatown and and yeah with, with i've cool done that there of, yeah and it's just like we had no plan at that and that is just like a very meditative thing to do is just walk through a city even like there are parts of it that just reek but that's all part mm-hmm. of like the experience so just Mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's a it's a really nice thing so that's yeah that's why i wanted to bring up daybreak express because i just i know you do too just like we love that sort of thing just sort of that vibe yeah. of being in a city and and things are just happening yeah. yeah i really do watch a lot of shorts on criterion collections sometimes where i just they i forget them but at daybreak express is not one of those Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and, and yeah, I failed to even mention, like you said, the the music too, like the music going along with it. It's just yeah, yeah. It's like dun 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 dun. dun. Well, now it sounds like I'm doing the Toy Story two music, but that's kind of what it's like, <laughs> like the Woody's yeah. Roundup, you know, theme. Yeah, hey, it, it's all yeah. It's it's Randy Newman esque. You could oh yeah i could just watch that stuff on a loop all day yeah um yeah and also there's a um an episode of anthony bourdain parts unknown where they're in the bronx and there is a graffiti artist where they kind of just stand on this building and they watch as their art goes you know on each train passes by and that for them is like their I don't know, moment of glory, you know, Yeah. which I thought was just so cool. <laughs> like yeah. I do about many things while I'm watching parts unknown. I'm just like, so, so cool. cool. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> there's, there's some of that in that, uh, in that PBS documentary too, um, where they're, they're just like having an artist and he's just waiting for, he's like waiting for the train to go by with his thing, yeah. the same yeah. thing. And it's, yeah, it's like his art gallery in a way, and it's like his like Pam's art show. Um, but it's yeah, <laughs> the prettiest the art street. of all the art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's a good point to bring up the the Bronx episode. That is, yeah, but same same shit, man. Oh yeah, I, I, eat, <laughs> I eat that up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I will talk about the string of Criterions that I bought that I was able to watch. Um, one of these would be uh, would be uh, like, and I'm gonna do this really quickly. 
um, mm-hmm. because I'm going to talk about a few of them. Uh, one of them is Easy Rider, um, which I actually watched on the Fourth of July, and nice. it was actually that's a great Fourth of July watch, actually. Um, uh, and we also had just done our American movies episode, and Add that to the list. Well, yeah, and I kind of was watching Easy Rider. I'm like, I could have totally put this on the list. It's like a hundred percent about America, uh, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a good one too. It's like one that's, uh, yeah, it's like I don't know, like I like where I'm actually like, all right, I like I can actually get serious about it. You know, I'm like, this is about America, and I really like feel it, and I'm honest about it. And it has like both the cynical side and the really uplifting side, and um mm-hmm. yeah yeah nice yeah i watched that mm-hmm. uh that recently this summer uh for the first time so yeah yeah oh I, did you really this summer yeah wow i i remember you um i think you had it on one of our soundtracks i did because mm-hmm. for obvious reasons it's like yeah for the most part it's a soundtrack <laughs> the movie yeah. it's just <laughs> yeah yeah, it's it's another one of those that uh, um, I've seen this like people like do these lists before where it's like you don't watch it for the plot necessarily, you watch it for the no. vibe or something. Yeah, and, exactly, a hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, vibes. it's like in ways it's so repetitive, but it's like I just love it, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant. And yeah. For the, for the time where it came out and like the history around it and everything and um especially when i first saw it i was it was like one of my first weeks where i was in la for three months and i decided to just watch easy rider and it was it just like fit the vibe of being in california so much that i found myself just driving around always listening to the soundtrack <laughs> um and yeah nice yeah that's really cool love easy rider it's like one of one criterion by where i was like this was a this was one i needed to have you know so i i won't say Mm -hmm. i actually feel that way about everything because sometimes i i really do impulsively buy a lot of these criterions (sighs) yeah i i know what you mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've somewhere i've been like oh my god i I should probably sell that. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah. that's taking up a lot of shelf space, and I I've watched it once, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, and like I give myself credit for just watching all of them once. I'm like, all right, I've watched it now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's Easy Rider. Another one I watched. Um would be uh i finally watched my copy of a touch of zen but i bought that that's not too bad i watched that i bought that in thanksgiving so it's kind of long but Less not too year. bad it's yeah. also like an over three hour it's like over three hours so mm-hmm. you know gotta be ready for you, it you delay doing something like that but so i yeah. finally watched that um and then I also I also finally rewatched uh, I rewatched Red, my copy of Red River, uh, which nice. I really wanted to do. Um, and it also has a it has like a book that it's based off that it came with it. So now I'll, I'll I'll get to read that. Everything's falling into place there. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that all for your for your yeah, criterion? That's, that's it. That's really it. Well, I guess I'll along those same lines. I'll bring up God, my voice. Um, I'll bring up my July Criterion buys. Which one? I I had a used copy of the Inside Lewis Inside Lewin Davis DVD. So mm-hmm. I I ended up selling that to Disc Replay actually a while back and got a new right. Blu-ray of that. But um, yeah, and you got the like the one with that uh, the like the art on it it's like that specific art r- drawn for the movie yeah mm-hmm. yeah i love yeah, that it's really cool it. yeah i got that the, one too the poster inside it mm-hmm. um and then i also got uh le samurai the uh yeah the melville movie which i yeah i'm a big fan of um haven't seen it but i've seen you log it a couple times and yeah. whenever i see it, i'm like whoa john is going hard here with the melville oh, hell yeah yeah this was uh <laughs> uh i don't know how much melville i've actually seen i mean maybe two or three um but uh this definitely got me into i think only two actually um but uh this movie i think was a big inspiration for ghost dog um and Ooh, now shit. I also I also have Ghost Dog on Criterion, and you see you can now see I really of... need to watch The Samurai. Yeah, because it's a, I mean it's about this assassin um, for the mob, but in like Paris, uh... just like you know Ghost Dog, and he and he you know uh... lives by the the law of like the samurai and Does the code he? of the samurai. Yeah, and oh. I think I think Ghost Dog starts out similarly, but it starts out yeah, it's just in this guy's apartment. And there's just this quote from like the code of the samurai that comes up um, while this guy's just like smoking a cigarette, laying on right. his bed, and it's so, just so cool. And uh, yeah, this is this is very much like the like the French ghost dog. Um, Damn, yeah. I had no idea about this. It's 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 really cool. Yeah, I uh, uh, I like it a lot, and it and it. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much else because if you're already thinking like you know that's comparable to ghost dog then you can kind of see maybe yeah where, that really it puts goes. it on a high pedestal yeah but yeah but it's it's no just like generic um at least in my mind it's no just like generic assassin like mob movie like it's um because it, it yeah it ties in that samurai element to it just like ghost dog so yeah i, w- I won't say any more um but it, that is like a great double feature is those two yeah. movies yeah cool and yeah, so there's really, a chance I'll end up buying that too. <laughs> yeah, that's one I, I do not regret at all getting the Criterion version. Cool. So, yeah, that's Le Samurai. All right, the next one I'll talk. I will talk about. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a stupid, stupid stoner comedy. Um. Mm-hmm. That I actually, believe it or not, I expected better of this. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, like, it, I, I mean, I, lo- I really do love the stoner comedy. I actually think, like, I won't go as far as saying some of them are masterpieces, but I will go as far as saying that some of them have, like, 
like great great like masterpiece-esque moments um mm-hmm. like like fr- like friday is just one of those great hangout films you get it so no i missed it <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> it's been bugging the hell out of me though <laughs> okay oh, that was weird yeah okay pineapple express has some of the most realistic like picking it up picking up from your weed guy scenes ever um and being a stoner like it's the most one of the most realistic just um (laughs) realistic movies on being a stoner like it just really is um i just watched bill and ted i'll i'll kill two birds with one stone i also just watched bill and ted bill and ted like dude where's my car really plays off the dumb stoner persona mm-hmm. but and, and the idea of like let's put these two stoners into a crazy situation you know blah 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 and yeah it's all about how they react to everything but bill and ted is just it's not as fucking stupid as dude where's my car <laughs> dude where's my car i'm kind of like looking at these guys going like how do they how do these guys live how have they made it a day with how stupid they are um yeah and while there were so some moments where i did laugh hard it was all more so because i just couldn't believe like what was happening and my brain just really hurt from watching this movie and (laughs) it was very early 2000s and um it was just very stupid uh and i would actually i would just not recommend it at all yeah i uh i haven't seen dude where's my car in a long time but i just remember it being very much of its time like a one of those late 90s early 2000s like bro stoner kind of comedies yeah um where yeah the the guys are just so ridiculously stupid that yep they don't exist in the in the they don't actually exist in the world yeah um yeah for sure when they get when they get those tattoos and they're like, dude. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Dude. That was one of those. Yeah, yeah, sweet. yeah. Yeah, it's just no, like. What does yours say? Dude, sweet. No, what does yours say? They're like, over it. I was just like, oh my God, this. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what, yeah, what was your opinion on, on Bill and Ted? Cause I, I, I wasn't really super into it. Like, I, I liked it enough, but I wasn't super into it when I, when I first saw it. I mean, I, I, I liked it. I see why it's a classic, but. Yeah, it's also not like super great. I don't see like a reason to remake it. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But on comparison to Dude, Where's My Car? It was just so refreshing to see just something that was actually kind of good. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like George Carlin in it a lot. Oh yeah, I just yeah, the yeah. fact that he's there brought it up a little bit for me. And I do, I do think that there was there's a lot of funny shit in it. And There's Keanu positive stuff to, to see that away. Keanu transition is pretty pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually mind blowing. I think you know, I'm not old enough to really comprehend the transition and of or the trajectory of Keanu's career going from like dumb stoner guy to now being one of the biggest action stars. Yeah, that is pretty ever. interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, that's th- that's those. All right. 
uh you know so next i'll go with um i'll go with something that is along those lines in a way um it's a it's a new documentary um woodstock 99 about the woodstock 99 festival uh, um that's on hbo max now um okay and how was and, it you know it was okay um <laughs> it's, i think i'm glad i watched it and i i think um i would recommend watching it too it's an interesting look into this festival in in the 90s and it has a lot to do with talking about how the baby boomer generation sort of wanting generations after them to sort of go through the same things they did and it's it's all sort of you know just tying into um one generation's nostalgia and trying to push that off onto another generation because they think they they need to have that same experience mm -hmm. um and so there's a lot of shit talking about boomers which i'm i'm okay with um and uh it's a lot just a really gross look into how terrible like uh you know like men in their 20s and like early 30s in this time it seemed like in in american culture were very angry and predatory on women and this really sheds a light on that which is very like disturbing in a lot of ways like there's so much you see like they just show a ton of sexual assault and explo exploitation at the of women festival. at the fest at the festival and yeah part of it almost seems a little like like exploitative itself but i think it's also important to shed a light on that so i, don't know, I was kind of torn because i don't i don't i don't know how well it approached the subject but i think it's something that it needed to but right um because it because it part it parts it's like okay the the movie is talking about exploiting women and how bad that is while it's also exploiting women because there's so many like topless girls throughout this whole thing and yeah to a point where it almost seemed like self-indulgent but i don't you know maybe i'm looking too much yeah but um, it's also weird just because like girls back then were like they were like i'm a hippie chick so I'm free and I'm at Woodstock, so I'm naked now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of, there's different it's, sides to it. I'm sure girls like, were probably, I'm not surprised if girls were raped at Woodstock. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like the, um, uh, the original Woodstock sort of had this authenticity to it in a way too which is why it was so popular and whatever and they tried to just recreate that with this festival in 99 you know they even had someone playing um the national anthem on guitar like Jimi hendrix did just like trying to recreate yeah. recreate all this stuff that um is just very hollow um when it comes down to it but um yeah i don't it wasn't like an amazing documentary but i it was interesting and I and I'm definitely like glad I watched it, but it's just like the lineup of this was just insane too. Like it really was like all of like the biggest names of like the late '90s, um, and and how sort of ridiculous some of some of it was, and how 
what a weird mix of like groups it was and and like woodstock 99 was like a disaster like it like they would started burning a stage down there was just like uh you know yeah and it like a lot of bad shit happened and uh yeah so it's uh i mean it's an interesting look into just like what a disaster this was um and also just into sort of the general generational divide and like um yeah and it, and it just goes into like with dude where's my car sort of um the the pop culture of of the of that era too um and it talks about like american pie and like movies like that where it's like the men you know men taking advantage of women and and women are mm. really just like pieces of meat in a way so mm. yeah i don't have much more to say about it it was interesting i think some some parts of it i didn't think were great but um and some parts parts of it were people that were just like yeah but it was like woodstock and it was like supposed to be so amazing it's you know, just people like not not super aware of what they were saying i thought um so yeah (laughs) yeah it's like kind of just like a confusing event in general woodstock 99 just overall a bad idea how many woodstocks have there been just two i think just two there might have been more than that but um i i think it was just those two but i think their their plan was to do it sort of to start doing it again every year but this was such as a disaster that they yeah they didn't um but yeah no it's still an interesting documentary i i would still recommend it um but i think it's also i don't know it, it is maybe self-indulgent in ways too but yeah gotcha that's all i gotta say about that all right my next film is a film from the 70s which i've been trying to watch for a while now called saturday night fever with john travolta very nice yeah wow yep just one of those groovy groovy movies about a young (laughs) hot shot (laughs) i i still have yet to see it and a thing of its time and it's one of those where you gotta see from the cut like uh along with like greece you know john travolta gets his like he's famous for dancing in movies mm-hmm. i mean saturday night fever is like the pinnacle of that i feel like at least from what i've seen because he is he is boogieing the whole way through <laughs> and in movies where more so you'd be like watching the girls dance more so in the in this when you see him dancing next to the girls you're watching travolta day <laughs> you're watching travolta's butt shake not the girls butt shake because <laughs> he is doing it better <laughs> wow all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> if that gets you excited uh, in any way yeah that's revving me up i'm i'm here for it <laughs> yeah i feel like he i think he plays like a he's like plays like a 20 to 21 year old in it so there's in ways where he's like he's like obnoxious in this because he's just this young like obnoxious hot shot who just dances all the time and in new york disco lounges but the dance scenes are all like really cool and Hmm. 
and the rest of the movie is not as good as these uh as the dance scenes but <laughs> it is really cool and it, it, i feel like this movie also almost invented the genre like the disco movie genre you know like there's a lot mm -hmm. of moments like and songs in this movie that you feel like when you watch boogie nights you're like oh this is like like they definitely you know are copying this from uh saturday night fever uh yeah <laughs> is this pre-blow i think it's pre-blowout still yeah i was just looking at his uh like filmography like so carrie was right before it and then greece or no then saturday night fever then greece then blowout and yeah nice and then, then look who's talking you know another classic <laughs> yeah so just wanted to knock the that one out of my uh my travolta filmography i feel like that's one you gotta see yeah and i say exactly. that as someone who hasn't seen it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it you, yeah I, you gotta. I'll, I'll get to it eventually but you gotta <laughs> yeah. you you have to see it I, I'll, I'll i'll get there too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i didn't like fucking love this movie i wasn't like you know enjoy myself the whole way through because there is a lot of just typical like you know it's a young kid trying to who's hungry trying to better his place in the world it's a very mm -hmm. just familiar you know story but you know then there's moments of him just boogieing out there to some disco and there's cool lighting and you're like this is cool you know he looks yeah. really cool you know nice yeah I'm yeah I'm for sure gonna have to get around to it one of these days um all right uh next one that I'll go with well I, I don't you may have seen this too now have you seen the new space jam no um I wanted oh, okay. to get to it so I could talk to you about it and share my thoughts but haven't gotten to it yet man well yeah I'll, two hours uh, seems a little long for a movie like this almost it is i think the the original is like barely 90 minutes you know and that's how it should be yeah short and shitty <laughs> and i gotta say yeah this was uh this was pretty pretty bad <laughs> um it's hard to even think of like um any part that i really like it was like oh you know at least that's you know nice or enjoyable because it was just very cheesy and uh it has been a while since i've seen the original but there are still i feel like things that i can take away from it that i like um right. and you know maybe it's just nostalgia but uh yeah this was um just very much overload with like warner brothers um ips whatever you want to call them you know every yeah any anything that's ever been warner brothers or hbo was in there you know even game of thrones was in there and uh Jeez. and just uh you know lebron lebron just is an even worse actor than michael jordan I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i just uh stick to, stick to dribbling lebron okay shut up uh, and dribble bro shut up and dribble yeah there we go yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't there's just a lot of like a lot of lines that are just said that it's like um just like 
not they're just not funny and 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 there's no like heart to it like it's just like oh like let's throw in a line here that um is like this was a twitter meme for like two days let's throw that in there people will think it's funny and it's like no no one no one thinks it's funny and maybe there's little kids that that think it's funny but it was very like demoralizing to watch uh to watch just yeah just just trash just total trash sounds like i believe I believe it. I mean, I know you're also like not really like biased, like against this movie in any way or like a LeBron hater even. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a LeBron hater, you will for sure hate this movie. Oh, they'll eat eat it up. Yeah. Eat it up. They're like, yes, he did. He did a bad job on this movie in Space Jam. He didn't live up to the masterpiece that is Space Jam 1. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how, like, in the original Space Jam, there's a lot of glorifying Michael Jordan and, like, you know, and talking about his, like, rise and how he's the greatest, you know. And there's there's those same beats in this, too, with LeBron. So if if you are really anti-LeBron and you're, like, He'll never be Jordan or whatever. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hate seeing all of that because he he frames himself in the same mm-hmm. light. Yeah, and it's just like uh, it's just so generic, and it's like LeBron's son is like this video game whiz and creates a video. Yeah, isn't game he where... like a dick to his son in this movie or something? Yeah, and it, like out of nowhere too. It's like um, it's like okay, he's been like this kid is like ten years old. And then all of a sudden, this one day, LeBron is like throwing all these like life lessons his way. It's like, and it's all just like sort of generic <laughs> shit. Like they're sitting in his, they're they're sitting in his, um, in his room, and Le, and LeBron's wife talked to him, and he's like, you got, like he's not into basketball as much as you are. Like he, he's so good at like creating video games. You know, he's ten and he's a video game developer, and so he's like, he's like fine. You know, he goes to his room, and they play a game, and the game breaks. Like something goes wrong. And he's like, oh, man, like, I'm never going to be good at this. Like, I stink. And LeBron's like, and he's like, turned to him and he's like, you have to push through adversity. There are going to be challenges in life. And he gives this, like, whole, like, speech. And it's, like, this, like, little tiny moment. When I went to Miami, they gave me tons of flack. I never heard the end of it. He goes through, like, his whole life story about all the adversity he went through. And it's like, you've you've been this guy's father for 10 years and you're just going through all this stuff, like, at this one point in time. There's one yeah. little tiny mo- like it's just so just so generic and that it felt funny. It felt really really long too. We 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 took a break at one point like halfway through, I think. Um to, I think just like get something to eat and just take a break and then we watched the yeah. second half, but it did I feel I can see a myself long. trying to get through the second half and like having to eat ha- snack my way through the second yeah. half or something. You could you could honestly multitask and and sort of watch the second half while doing something else at the same time uh, like that's yeah yeah I, I i should probably like you know set up my watch this while i'm like setting up my beat business or something yeah exactly yeah yeah that's probably like while i have something more going on yeah you'll really need something else to occupy your brain because otherwise you're just gonna spiral and yeah, right. your your brain is just going to be like, I am I'm capable of much more than watching this. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, I really I liked it a lot less than I than I thought I, I thought I would 
you know, at least think it's okay, but I really did not like it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy. All right. What should I talk about next here? Well, I didn't talk to you about uh, Mon Uncle yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I did watch that and I. I really, really liked it, and I'm gonna watch awesome. more uh, Jack Tati after this. Um, it reminded me of like, like an artsy, more like Buster Keaton, Chaplin-y Uncle Buck. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's actually a great point, Uncle Buck. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved all. I loved the vibe and the tone and the lack of dialogue and. The, the set design is unbelievable in the movie and the yeah. way the house of their the, this family is kind of laid out and how there's that like Dalton fo- dolphin, dolphin fountain in the middle that yeah. kind of like stops spraying and it kind of like it doesn't work entirely properly so when someone enters you kind it kind of awkwardly stops spraying mm-hmm. and all the interactions are kind of in the middle of that front courtyard you know and the dolphin statue thing is kind of always in frame and there's just a lot of like humor with that uh yeah yeah everything is pretty much style over function yeah yeah it's like laid out very well like there's one point where they're having um a conversation um about uh about him like you know getting him a job and they're kind of like walking on all those like steps in the middle of you know (laughs) you know what i mean and it's just like that's the way they're walking it's it's just so funny and it's just such great um satire on like class in france you know Mm -hmm. yeah there's so many just great moments of like um people being just uncomfortable and yeah like like tati sits in that one chair and he just like he's like sinks in and he's like uh-huh. uh, and his like legs are sticking up and right, and like right. The, the, there's so many scenes the kitchen scene too where he can't figure anything out in the kitchen and he drops the the like the uh coffee thing and it just bounces right back up mm-hmm. yeah um yeah 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 great one and you know Did what you say I, you bought it I, I came really close to buying the uh, Jacques Tati box set, oh, okay. but oh. I, I didn't. Yeah. I think that may be something in my future, but uh, I didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And what were you going to uh, say before that? You know, there's that one part where it's at night and the lights are on in the house and the the two parents are in those two circular windows and they're like looking through the window like it's the eye, like their eyes right that just like blew my mind like i was just there is a lot of subtle things like that yeah 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 there's so much that's just like so subtle and clever that uh yeah i like i watched this on my own i was laughing out loud uh (laughs) in plenty plenty of places yeah right and what were the other uh tati movies you've seen playtime and so playtime that's like his most well-known one um I i watched last month i watched traffic 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 um yeah. uh that one is just another another classic one um right just like those two and then um 
Hulot's Holiday. Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. That yeah, was, yeah, that's what I saw you watch that. That was, I think, might have been the first one he did as this like character. Um, all right. And yeah, that so, and I think they're all either on HBO Max or Criterion, one or the other. So, looks like I'm going down that French route now with the Tati movies and Les Les Samurai. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to. Um, I want to rewatch some of those Tati, and I think there may be a couple more that I haven't seen yet too. So. Yeah, I'll be doing that too. Nice. Yeah, so that's Mon Uncle for the second cool. time. Um. All right. Um. I don't have too much left. Uh, I think the next one I'll go with is adaptation. Yes. Um, which I, I like believe adaptation. you. I believe you maybe recommended this to me at one probably time. yeah um but yeah i've only seen another... it once but it was pretty mind-blowing when i saw what <laughs> that it was like maybe five or six years ago when i watched it now and especially i mean i'm sure the screen the screenwriting aspect of it appealed to you right it's one of those where like screen if you ever hear any screenwriting writers or screenwriting professors or whatever name what movies are good for screenwriters they say adaptation which is <laughs> almost kind of ridiculous because no one but that guy can write that movie so oh my god yeah. i mean it's more so just one thing to be amazed by like there's no way you could be like yeah i could see myself writing stuff just like this no. yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> it's so yeah just so like brilliant like just yeah. like um like you know the other spike jones charlie kaufman yeah movie yep. um being john malkovich like it's the same thing it's like who who can come up with like this sort of thing and make it work yeah and make and... it as like come like complex as it is psychologically and like yeah yeah and very like real like human human stuff in these just like bonkers ideas um yeah i, I like i can't believe even just coffin having the balls to like try something like this um like you know going through his own writer's block and he decides instead of doing a normal adaptation to do something mm -hmm. like this yeah like yeah he's just a he's his brain just works in a different way um mm -hmm. i think it, yeah he's just uh sort of like a mad scientist of a of a writer and uh yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. I think I heard about it because I heard like an interview with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg when I was much younger say that the best movie ever written is Adaptation. They, that's just <laughs> what they said. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, as writers. And you can see that, its yeah. influence in all their work, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I think this is the direct influence to uh, um, Pineapple Express. Yeah. And, and Super yeah. Bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's. A, I'm glad you got to that one. It's it's a must one, yeah. watch. Yeah. And, and even for Nick Cage, it's like, I think that's essential Nick Cage. It's got to be one of them. You know, like He's leaving great, Las yeah. Vegas. That I mean, there's so much essential Nick Cage. Yeah, he's he's really really great in it. Um, 
yeah, just I don't know. I, I um, I'm always interested in a movie like this that is just so like uh, in a way risky and like weird and different. Like and no dark. matter what, yeah, and and really dark. Yeah, I, I'm always gonna like take something away from it. It's gonna be something unique. That yeah, I'm always I'm always here for something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, great movie. I also I want to bring something up from earlier that I should have because like I, I talked about no sudden move and Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon was recently on WTF. Uh, to promote whatever new movie he's doing. I forget what it is. Um, oh, yeah. He's got like a they, goatee and a yeah. hat. Um, yeah, he's in that yeah. new movie. That new movie he's doing. Um, and the reason why I wanted, I wanted to bring that up is because he has a great departed story um, in it. That is Stillwater. That's the, that's the one. Stillwater. Yes, yep. yes. The one that's like supposed to be like it seems like a taken thing, but it's not, I think is what I've heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, there is a great departed story in this episode of WTF. And oh. the episode overall is just really good in general. So, but it's worth listening to just for this story about the departed. Uh, it's, it has to do with uh, Jack Nicholson uh, and his like, I don't know how he decided to do a certain scene and uh, Damon does a good Nicholson impression as he tells the story. So it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Nice. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't listened to that one. I'll, I'll give that a listen though. I did yeah. listen to Steven Soderbergh. Um, I did too. Recently. Yeah, <laughs> I that did was too, of one. course. I mean, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'd be shocked if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so I guess I have a movie to talk about next. What should I do? All right. I watched, finally, again, I will say finally, because I feel like that's um, kind of the types of movies I've been watching lately are just movies that I really feel like I've needed to get to for a while, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, That was Saturday Night Fever. Um the next one is charlie's angels (laughs) yes the uh cameron diaz drew barrymore lucy Liu, charlie's angels yeah yes uh directed by mick g (laughs) (laughs) oh i always forget mick g is a fucking director um i don't know i don't know how many mick g movies have you seen john let's see i I've got his, uh, so I've seen, I've seen Charlie's Angels. I've seen This Means War. And I've seen, I have we seen are, This Means War. I think we talked we about are Marshall. it on a, and we are, yes. We talked oh, about yes. both of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually <laughs> like We Are Marshall kind yeah. of. Um, yeah. I, I was watching, um, I think I, when I watched This Means War, I was watching it with my brother, Jake, and he said, I forget. I said something like, this is ridiculous or something like that. And he's like, yeah, that's because McG made this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, who the fuck even is McG? But, yeah. you know, he's one of, I, yeah, he's a big Hollywood director. I mean, I guess so. Mysterious guy. Yeah. Made McG. some icon- iconic films kind of too. 
yeah. at least iconic enough to um one iconic enough to be remade um yeah and he, you know he is i'm looking at his wikipedia now he has also uh directed um the smash mouth all-star music video oh shit all right so that's probably the most iconic <laughs> thing he's done oh for sure yeah that's probably my favorite of his of his work is that so charlie's angels i really i really wasn't didn't like but i thought it had some stuff going for it i thought that um it was weird how it like it was weirdly committed towards being like comedic and making fun of like female stereotype shit and um i don't know kind of trying to be female empowerment but also funny but it also just wasn't because it was clearly written by men and made by men so Mm -hmm. um and also all, all the women are very uh um sexualized in the movie so it's also like and they kind of make fun of the way they're sexualized also but i don't know there's still it still feels written by men a lot so totally yeah it just doesn't totally work and it, it, it has a very mixed tone and um yeah i just yeah like i it, it had potential, you know, to mm-hmm. really work for me, but um, it's definitely very flawed. It's also very, it's also pretty entertaining um, and pretty funny sometimes and has a lot of cool like action scenes towards the end. Um, the standout is probably Drew Barrymore in this for me. I think she's the best in the cast. I mean, that I might yeah. also just be biased because I like Barry more as an actress the best out of these three, but I'm not a huge Cameron Diaz fan, uh, for whatever reason. No. But uh no. <laughs> but yeah, I like Drew Barrymore a lot. Yeah. Um, and I also found it weird how Bill Murray's just there as like the angels kind of pimp. Charlie, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did I thought he wasn't Charlie though. Oh, maybe he wasn't at the end they like kind of i thought the whole movie oh no he's not he was he's, uh... charlie wait do you even find out who charlie is you don't meet charlie it's kind of like a bit at the end where they're still talking to charlie on a speaker, speaker and they're yeah. like yeah and they're like charlie how are you where are you and then he's like it, they kind of make a joke about how they just won't see who charlie is you know they you won't meet charlie yeah. um but I did think Bill Murray was Charlie the whole movie because at the beginning he kind of like sits by them on a couch and says, my angels. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, so it's understandable to think that, you know, I vividly remember um, the only time I've seen Charlie's Angels is when I was a young lad and uh as a family, we rented this from Blockbuster and watched it. And um, I, I just, I, all I can remember from being like, I don't know, eight, nine years old is um, when I think back on it now is that it seems like a movie from this time that's just like mainstream and 
sort of oh, yeah. general and has these yeah. like general ideas and and it gets popular and uh yep all all I really think I took away from it as an 8-year-old boy was that I I was um uh you know very very interested to see the uh the ladies <laughs> in their in their clothing <laughs> they are um, very attractive in it was eye opening as a as a young boy to see that um yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's kind of it's goofy. Just I feel like look at these women. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I, I was eight years old. Just wow, wow, would you look at those women? Those My angels. wife. <laughs> I'm gonna marry her one day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like the look of that Lucy Lou. Yeah, um, I'm just like this little kid in a robe and smoking a cigar. Yeah, yeah, that's how I view women. <laughs> <laughs> women on women should look like this. But that's what, yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of early 2000s and late 90s things would be like acting like they were uh you know you know woke and and for women and and everything by being the exact opposite of that and they're yeah yeah it's it's just very like out of out of touch and uh, i'm glad as a society that we've grown from there yeah i feel like a little gross when i watched this movie because mm-hmm. i was like i picture i'm like there's probably something that like dudes watch together in a group at like you know when this came out and drank beers and like oh look at camera dears oh you know? yeah. yeah and watch it yeah and i'm just and i'm just watching alone going like what is going on here yeah they probably just got back from woodstock 99 <laughs> and <laughs> Went to Blockbuster, picked it up, and yeah, then have a bro night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's yeah. Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, Mick G. Okay, uh, you know, I think if anyone though was gonna make it, it'd have to be someone. It's only fitting that it's someone named Mick G. It's only Mick G. Yeah. You know, just like Charlie is mysterious in those movies, he's kind of mysterious too. As just <laughs> his name is McGee. Yeah. 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 What is he about? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think what I'll bring up next is not a not a film. It wasn't something I saw on a screen, but uh, we talked a little bit about this briefly before. But uh, I saw Hamilton, the the musical in the, person oh, this nice. weekend. So how yes. long was it? Boy, it was pretty long, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the runtime on the like streaming version of it is longer than the actual play. So I wonder if there's they add some um something to that. But um yeah, I I mean it was pretty close to two and a half, almost three hours. And uh it started at seven and we left a little bit after ten. And that includes like it started a little bit late and then there's also intermission, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, I think a good, really good production overall, and uh, I see why it got pretty popular. But I also, it, it uh, you know, just like before I saw it, and before it came on streaming, even I don't think I heard one single like piece of criticism about it at all. And I was like, there's no way, especially nowadays, that anything this popular can be this good without you know there's nothing you bad you can say about it and i think once it got streaming then more people saw it and and critiqued it and i maybe just heard more criticism of it um 
and then even one of our friends out here said he like he's very into musical theater and he said he does not like Lin-Manuel Miranda and like his his music or his plays at all um and yeah you know I thought it was a really good production and everything maybe just not my thing I wasn't I didn't get super into it and I did feel like it got a little bit long um but I was interested in like the history aspect of it and it brought me back to Mr. Hiles U.S. history class uh which we had together and uh yeah you know, funniest remember, guy in the world still to this God. day mr yeah. Hiles. oh uh, yeah he's uh yeah i still i still laugh laugh about that class to this day um but yeah i i so i remember like some things from that class that i enjoyed like learning about and i think it's an interesting concept too i guess lynn manuel said you know he wanted to make uh a story about like u.s history but how we would talk about it like today um but I thought it was hard for me to get into the music and to sort of follow along with everything um, because it, it is very much like um, everything is, there's no like spoken lines really. Like it's all just like constant, just like rapping and singing, just like yep, mo yep. moving through like so fast. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough, but it went over my head. Um, so it was a bit, yeah, I, I think I couldn't get into it as much. I see why it's popular, and I definitely think it's, like, really good. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I also wasn't, like, everyone who I'd heard had seen it was, like, talking about how it was the greatest thing ever. And part of me thinks that it's just sort of nobody else was really criticizing it, so you almost have to say that. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't know. And I, maybe Lin-Manuel stuff just isn't my thing either so uh yeah but I'm, I'm glad i saw it to be a part of like the cultural you know the cultural event of the past few years that has been hamilton um so yeah. what do you prefer that or in the heights i i prefer hamilton to in the heights i i think i definitely do and it's weird because i haven't seen like the um stage version of in the heights and i haven't seen like you know a movie version of hamilton but i think i liked hamilton more um and there, right. i mean there there were songs that i thought were really good um but a lot of it just sort of blended together for me and didn't really stand out too much and you know there's a funny thing too is jim gaffigan talked about this one time where he's like you can get away with so much like easy comedy in a broadway musical but if I put that in my act, I, I would never work again. I would never like, book any spots. And it's so true because there are so many moments where like um, the woman next to me was like a super fan. Like she was singing along. She clapped so hard. <laughs> like they'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Jefferson. And she was like, yeah, woo, like going crazy. Like it's her 16th time seeing. It. Oh, yeah. She had for sure seen it a bunch. She laughed at every beat. Um, you know, probably laughs as hard every single time. Um, so that was, it was nice that people were really into it, but, uh, yeah, there'd be parts of, like the King is supposed to be like this, like, you know, the comic relief of the whole thing. And he didn't do like anything that was really like funny, but people would laugh so hard at him. Like he'd just walk <laughs> out and he'd be like, you know, brimming with overconfidence and then say something like, so just like generic and not that funny but it's a broadway play so everybody laughs so hard at it and 
Like he's like, oh, George Washington resigned from power. I didn't know you could do that. And then like the place just erupts in laughter. And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel so yeah. like, so weird about like, okay, like this is like church, you know, like people laugh at things differently in church than they do at like a comedy club or if they're watching a stoner right. comedy or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what you, what you say if you ever end up seeing it or even watching it on Disney plus, whatever. How but, long uh, is that? play gonna be that production gonna be lot like a you know are you able to see it like live like that hasn't it been years like, yeah i think i feel like 2017 or 18 is when it was first getting like really big yeah it's like still going yeah i feel like it'll, it'll i mean be, maybe yeah. that's how it works i just like i have no idea i mean they, they still bring back classic musicals all the time and stuff too that's true um so i feel like it maybe will have like a little bit of a break and then it'll come back and it'll be like a big deal. Like, oh, they're bringing Hamilton back to Broadway or something. And it'll be like a, um, like if they bring like uh, another Star Wars movie, like one of the prequels and they show it in 3D <laughs> at the theater. Like that's the thing. Like, let's get people excited about seeing Hamilton again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that was Hamilton. Nice. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all. I think that's all I was <laughs> gonna say. Uh, maybe I will see Hamilton. Yeah. Maybe I won't. I'm not that keen on it. I don't think you have to. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's... laughs> but um. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm fine with people liking it though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, continuing the same run of me seeing movies that I have taken forever to see the next one would be field of dreams oh yes (laughs) (laughs) a movie that everyone talks about it's like one of those okay another one i watched was austin powers the first one which is one of those movies that was your first time yep it's one of those movies where i've always said if i ever say i haven't seen it i'm like actually embarrassed because people go at you people go like how have you not seen it? Like you could tell it's like a religious, like cult following. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought it was pretty good. Like <laughs> I, Which I kind of got it. Feel awesome the dreams. Powers. Oh, awesome powers. Yeah. Both, both were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome I, I powers, really liked awesome like, powers back in the day and I, I still, right. I still like it. Yeah. I could see if I had seen it more like, being more you know i i you know obviously with those comedies it's the more you see it the better it gets you Mm -hmm. know the more you can anticipate the jokes and then they meet your expectations you know that sort of thing yeah right right um field of dreams was a weird weird watch (laughs) i must say if yeah if you had did not grow up with it i i I, maybe others will relate to this, but I feel like most people grew up with this, so they won't. But I did. Yeah. I did mm-hmm. not. I did not. So I thought it was a weird, weird movie. But I also understood why people are so religious about it and why it is so like moving for some people. Because I mean, at the end, like 
Kevin Costner's dad like comes back and they play catch on the field. It's just so, I mean, it, it, this movie sometimes rings like, like it was like, it's like a Miyazaki movie, you know, like how interesting. Yeah. Fan. And that is like a little leap because there is a lot of like, um, kind of goofy weird shit in this that where i was like what you know um but like i think it has that like um fantasy element to it um like a miyazaki where it has holds a lot of um emotional innocence and a lot of meaning and that kind of brought it up for me i just didn't know really what to expect at all i just knew he built a baseball field i didn't think it was going to be this um strange really yeah and like supernatural in a way no i didn't i had no idea so because of that it was really funny to watch um, (laughs) for the first time that had to be shocking yeah it was it was i was like i just didn't yeah i didn't think it was going to be so supernatural and religious about the game of baseball and um yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like, I, I, as someone who did not grow up liking baseball, I got it, you know, as it went on, which just shows it's it is really good. Yeah, yeah, this is one that I definitely grew up on having, you know, my dad's side of the family is all from Iowa. So I have these like Iowa connections. And yeah, yeah. everybody talks about it. And when you when you go to college in Iowa, and did you uh, visit the, uh, the field? I, Can't you visit it? You can, yeah. I've actually, I've only ever driven through Dyersville. I've got, I, and I was still in school. I would drive through Dyersville, and I always stopped for gas there. I never actually went to the Field of Dreams, um, but it's there's uh, so many signs for it. And when you go to school in Iowa with Iowans, they they love anything about Iowa or anyone from Iowa. So you you kind of get beaten over the head with that stuff. And I'm not, you know. And and most of my you know Iowa friends are very aware of that fact, um, and it's the same is true for Chicago stuff too. But um, yeah, um, but yeah, I just constantly hear like people say like, "Well, Iowa is heaven," and I, and I always <laughs> like in my mind I'm like, "Wait, it's specifically in the movie he says no, it's Iowa when he asks." Yeah, is, that's is, what it's he. Yep. Yeah. I was gonna break that line out eventually. Yeah, um, but yeah. with that said, like I growing up, I really loved Field of Dreams and uh yeah and it's very like it was felt very emotional to me too like you know, the father and son element with ray liotta of all people is kevin costner's <laughs> yep. dad which is so funny um there's more of us can we come back yeah and then just like um you know the whole if you build it they will come and yeah just the cars and, coming and, over yeah 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 it's yeah. so it is yeah like it, it is very good and i will still say it is so weird yeah it is yeah because <laughs> i didn't know what to expect just the fact that they build the field and he's like staring at it all year waiting for something to happen and he's just this kevin Car- costner kind of ignorant he's kind of an ignorant farmer kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> and uh and he's like my father never did anything with his life and I'm worried yeah. I'm ending up like that. I mean, I'm 36. <laughs> he's like, I gotta do this. And he's like, yeah. he's like, am I crazy? <laughs> and his wife's like, yes, but I support you in doing this. <laughs> and then you know, doesn't he? 
he for some reason i i'm thinking that this might be a different movie but he meets up with james earl jones right yeah uh and they go to like yankee stadium or something or yeah he must yeah 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 i think they go to they talk about moonlight moonlight yeah 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 and like, oh wow! I, that... I like that little moment too. That yeah, I forgot about that. That's a whole adventure. subplot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just got confused there because I actually watched another '80s movie with James Earl Jones. Um, no, James Earl Jones isn't in that movie. Never mind. <laughs> so I'm confusing these movies now. I thought James Earl Jones might be in this movie I just watched called Crossroads, um, hmm. with Ralph Macchio. But James Earl Jones is not in it. Yeah, oh, I, he's I'm, in Field of Dreams. I thought he I'm might be at that in picture both. now. I thought uh, he might be in both of these for a second. So I was gonna like Seneca. bridge bridge them together. Oh yeah, but, but uh, all all old black guys look alike, Luke. Yeah, is that's that kind of what it what it's coming across as. Uh, <laughs> there is a speaking of field of dreams there's an old black guy in crossroads too <laughs> who isn't as good as james earl jones um crossroads was actually a, a movie that was loaned to me by a co-worker because hmm. he said he said he brought up crossroads like, you haven't seen crossroads and it was one of those moments where it's like it was the biggest movie to him and i hadn't seen i'm like no i haven't (laughs) so he brought it in for me to watch it and so it features crossroads features ralph macchio as this young aspiring blues artist Hmm. who is obsessed with robert johnson so the old african-american actor um joe seneca is play he plays a guy who played who was robert johnson's um harmonica player Hmm. and so the two are just ralph mach it's like basically ralph macchio and this guy on the road together and it's actually a lot of times kind of boring but there are some great like moments of just ralph macchio playing blues guitar and there's this really absurd guitar duel at the end with this one guitar player who is like apparently he played for like Frank Zappa. He's some famous guitar player. Um, and him and Ra- Ralph Macchio kind of have a guitar duel at the end. And it gets like it, it's one of those where it just gets really absurd. Like the guitar playing just is so out of hand that it's like it's like not only really cool but it's also kind of hilarious to watch them you know it's just if i don't know it's just great if you're just someone who's grown up liking guitars and Mm -hmm. um uh just grew up like like liking to watch say like jack black or Jimi hendrix like go crazy on a guitar and like like where it becomes an absurd performance where they're rolling around while playing and stuff like that um and while ralph macchio doesn't actually play (laughs) In this movie, he's a great um, faker of playing, and ah. he looks pretty cool while he's doing it too. Because Ralph Macchio looks pretty cool doing anything. <laughs> um, one of the coolest child actors, probably of all time. It's a cool kid. Yeah, yeah, cool kid. 
Nice. So I yeah, that's like a ran- that's a random one. Yeah, it's a random yeah. one. Uh, okay, John, do you not have any more? Uh, I could I could go over another one quick. I have two more. Okay, I'll do I'll do one more then. Um, let me just decide between. Uh, you know what? I'll go with uh. This was a while ago. I actually watched this on the Fourth of July. But I'd rather bring this up than a more recent one I watched. Um, Dead Man, the Jim Jarmusch movie. Oh, nice, nice. Which uh, you had also told me that I that I needed to watch, and uh, yeah, I I loved it. It is uh, definitely one of my favorite westerns now. It was very um, a good like change of pace with other with other westerns that I had um, you know been watching in the past couple of years and uh yeah i really uh i think i watched it at a good time where it um you know especially the ending really stuck with me uh, a lot more and it was yeah really uh emotional movie yeah that's also one that's it's like a great introduction to jarmouche like if someone's only seen like one of his movies or none even like it's a good mm-hmm. one just to be like oh watch that one that's a very accessible you know just uh accessible one you know the neil young score and johnny depp and yeah the adventure mm-hmm. the adventure aspect and um i remember it was probably maybe the second or third one i watched and it was uh yeah um and, and, it, and it's a, you know it's more of his style and pace so it helps with getting used to that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i just was very much like invested in it uh from the get-go and i think um yeah i just like that it was definitely a a different type of western with these like spiritual and native american elements into it and yeah it seemed like it was everything i'd read about it was that it was very much like like Jim Jarmusch made sure to be like respectful of um, Native American culture, you know, within it and to be accurate. And um, yeah, so I just, yeah, I thought it was something very different and unique and yeah, I, I would love to, uh, I would love to also get this one, um, the Criterion version of this one. Yeah. yeah. It's got a cool one. Mm-hmm. Yeah nice uh yeah that's dead man i'm i've i have a book called the complete poems of william blake which i have been slowly slowly reading and the main character in dead man is actually named william blake that's right yeah so yeah it's like a tribute to him for some somehow and uh since I don't understand most of uh, William Blake's poems, I will. I really don't have a. <laughs> it doesn't give me a lot of deep and deeper understanding into Dead Man, but I still think it's pretty cool. Nice. All right, so I think I'm gonna do. Su- the, the Suicide Squad is good. Ah. James Gunn brings a cool vision to it. Idris Elba's pretty badass. John Cena's pretty badass. Harley Quinn is, again is really good, and you can see a Guardians of the Galaxy bridging of the gap. You know, celebration of mm-hmm. superheroes sort of deal again. So that I just 
I don't feel like spending that much time talking about su- the Suicide Squad because I think it's getting enough praise. But I did like it, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's nice. another good, it's another superhero movie. Um, so I'm gonna do one more movie and a book, Ooh. and I think I'm gonna start with the book because. Do it. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. And it's also very up your alley. Um, It's something you should definitely read. I read um, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah, it is damn, damn good. Um, And especially if you like, um, not only is it like impressive, just uh, the prose and the way it's written and stuff and... um, you can tell how deep uh, he is into this world for sure. Um, But if you're a fan of once upon a time in Hollywood, it is only just like, it's like just adding on, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like more, it's like you just, it's like dessert with the dinner to me. It's, (laughs) it's just so good. It not only has like stories that, you know, like aren't in the movie, but it just mm-hmm. kind of, it just kind of, I don't know, just be having it be like a book based on a movie. It's kind of like re-experience, experiencing the movie in a different form is actually very beneficial to a movie that is, there is so much to unpack and is so much, much about like history and the era and all that stuff. So like, a book for that like source for the, this material is very beneficial and i think it only just benefits to get like deeper into it um mm-hmm. like it has just you know chapters where it's just going off on what films cliff booth liked you know <laughs> whether he liked godard or not you know whether he liked truffaut whether he liked mm-hmm. there's so much talk about Sam Peckinpah in this book you know like like one thing Tarantino has a real good ability like when it comes to writing is he can just rant about like film history or music history and like what was going on at the time Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean I must like I it was a book that it was like it's a it's a kind of thick book but I just I read it really quickly because I wanted to read it every spare chance I had. Um, So I highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to, for sure. I'm going to for sure get that. I was actually um, thinking about that the other day that I wondered if it was just sort of, yeah, like the, like a novel version of the movie where it sort of gave more details into certain things and right. Um, and like yeah provided some more like backstory or just information mm-hmm. that wouldn't fit into yeah. a movie so nice. that's, that's kind of awesome. what it does and then it has like a few scenes here or there that just aren't in in the movie mm-hmm. like you know how the movie um he finished like uh what's his name uh rick dalton kind of finishes on set and then they cut to like time passes after that and then all of a sudden they're in italy filming movies yeah the 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 book kind of finishes and there's there's a scene where uh like rick 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 cliff and timothy oliphant's character kind of go to a bar and like 
just talk for a while about the industry so it's like you get to see stuff like that that nice. you didn't get to see yeah cool yeah, yeah i'm for sure i'm for sure gonna get that then nice do you have uh do you have the goodreads app i do not what is that uh, it's like letterboxed but for books oh um, cool yeah yeah i think that's also right up your alley um <laughs> it is yeah. yeah um i heard there's a like a letterbox for like wine and I've actually wanted to get that <laughs> because I've actually tried a good amount of wine in the past nice. year. And there is, I find it impossible to remember the wines I've tried <laughs> because like, I don't know, it's just a whole new thing, you know? Yeah. I'm bad with, uh, with like remembering what, like what wines or what, and yeah, like, like which ones I really like more than others. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have nice. I'll have my one for movies, movies, movies books, and wine, wine <laughs> and books, <laughs> and I think there's one for beer too, where you like log the beers yeah. you, you try. But there was one bar where we used to live that had like they had like a screen of that. They had just like a bunch of craft beer on tap, and they had like a screen. So if you had the app, you could log whatever beers you had. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah haven't dabbled in that yet but uh no yeah i'd recommend goodreads i all right cool i uh i enjoy that yeah don't use it enough though but yeah all right and so then the movie i'm gonna bring up would be to finish us off here would be tony scott's man on fire with ah. den good old denzel denzel <laughs> um which would be me uh, kind of rounding off my Tony Scott Denzel uh, like collaborations because I've now seen Unstoppable, Pelham One Two Three, Deja Vu, and now Man on Fire, and right. yeah, it's like it's a really underrated collaboration. I'd like to think to a degree. <laughs> you don't hear people talking about the days of Denzel and Tony Scott enough. Never. Yeah. Never. never. <laughs> so i would here's how i would rank them i would say unstoppable is my favorite uh the taking of pelham one two three is my second then it goes man on fire and then deja vu uh yeah but they're all pretty good and worth watching i would say um i forgot that he did both taking of pelham one two three and unstoppable well yeah and so speaking of trains john train? <laughs> this is tony scott's ode to trains oh yeah uh, <laughs> love those train yeah. movies <laughs> yeah um and man on so man on fire is um i think made in 2000 and f hey hey <laughs> i disappeared i accidentally clicked um there's this part of my mouse oh um, yeah it's a really complicated mouse and yeah it, if you click some things sometimes it just goes somewhere else so yeah all right well uh, you're back yeah I'm back another bathroom ba break basically <laughs> uh, what was i saying uh, oh yeah you were saying man on fire came out you were like man on fire came out in 2000 and and then it cut out and you never <laughs> in 2004 everyone, everyone's dying to know what year in 2000 yeah <laughs> the year the year what is it 
<laughs> spit it out <laughs> and so it stars denzel and dakota fanning who was uh, uh the biggest <laughs> the biggest child actress of the time yeah wow yeah uh, and then it also has christopher walken in it and mickey rourke which is pretty dope and yeah and this movie yeah <laughs> I thought it would be the best Tony Scott movie for just a lot of things. Like, um, I liked the story it was kind of set, setting up. There's a lot. There's a lot of like cool emotional aspects to Denzel's character. He's like a badass who like has killed a lot of people. <laughs> he's killed a lot of people, and he drinks a lot. And he's like now he's a security guard to uh, just Dakota Fanning's family in Mexico um, because. Mexico is a dangerous place. It was in 2004. It still is now. Um, and it kind of involves like Denzel developing this like relationship with Dakota Fanning and it's kind of giving him some hope in his life, which is actually really well done. And him and Dakota Fanning have great chemistry. And then kind of she gets kidnapped and I kind of sort of fell off it, out of it a little bit because it's kind of denzel just really angry and shaking a bunch of guys down and um to like find her and that kind of felt not as original to me and more uh it just kind of dragged on for me a little bit at that point but overall this is still a very fairly good quality movie and action flick which goes a little 20 minutes to 20 to 30 minutes too long but I still think is uh, definitely a must watch in Tony Scott's filmography and uh, a must watch Denzel movie too. Nice. Yeah. I still got to see Deja Vu and Man on Fire to complete the, uh, yeah. the collab. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, that would, uh, that would round it out. 